Live, online and on your mobile, this, this is DCUFM News. Hi everyone and welcome back to Newswire. I'm Anya Boyle and I'm joined today by Aoife O'Brien and Kira O'Loughlin. On today's show we'll be reporting on the recent closure of Grafton College, the housing protest held on Saturday and November. We'll also be talking to DCUSU's VP for Academic Affairs, Callaghan Commons, about why DCU hold their semester one exams after the Christmas break. Finally, we will be discussing internships in college and if students should be getting paid for them. But first, we have our hourly news bulletin. Good afternoon, it's six o'clock and I'm Kira Lachlan. Police in Northern Ireland have responded to a suspected shooting close to a school in West Belfast. It is believed that the incident occurred at Glen Road beside St Mary's Grammar School. Nothing has been confirmed about the PSNI have only said that they are responding to an incident in the area. The UK government ministers have been found in contempt of Parliament after a vote in the House of Commons this evening. A vote of 311 to 293 in favour of the motion was passed. This vote effectively means that the entire legal advice must be published. The Peter McVeary Trust today opened 13 new apartments for families and children affected by homelessness in Dublin City Centre. The apartments were delivered in partnership with the housing agency and Dublin City Council are made up of seven two-bed apartments and six one-bed units. New figures from the Central Statistics Office show that the unemployment rate fell to a 10-year low of 5.3% in November. Today's figures show that 127,600 people were unemployed in November. The unemployment rate has fallen from the financial crisis peak of around 16% in 2012. Marian economist Alan McQuaid predicts that a further fall to 5% for 2019 with a net increase in employment of about 50,000. That's all the news for now. Sport and weather is next. The dubs left the late in September. But here at Domino's Pizza Fingless, we're used to leaving it late all the time because we're open till 5 a.m. every day of the week for all your pizza needs. Domino's Pizza Fingless at 018-11-0099. Domino's Pizza Fingless, open till 5 a.m. because that's what we do. Online, on the pitch, and on air, this is DCU-FM Sports News. DCU-FM weather. Rain in the south and west will spread at all areas. The frost in the north will clear. Light to moderate easterly winds will increase moderate to fresh overnight. Lowest temperatures between minus 1 and plus 3 in the north and between 3 and 8 degrees elsewhere. And finally, Cardi B was due in court on Monday, but instead skipped her hearing and went to Miami. The artist was meant to attend criminal court in New York to face charges of assault connected to a fight in a strip club last summer. That's all for now. Remember, you can keep up to date with us on Facebook and Twitter at DCU MPS News. DCU, along with some other third-level institutions like Dublin Institute Technology, hold their semester one examinations after the Christmas break as opposed to beforehand. I am joined today by DCU students VP for Academic Affairs, Callaghan Commons, to talk about if having examinations after Christmas is in the students' best interest. Hi Callaghan, thank you so much for joining us on Newswire today. How are you? I'm good, thank you very much for having me. No problem at all. So, why do DCU hold their semester one exams after the Christmas break? And do you think this is in the best interest for students? Um, so basically DCU holds their exams after Christmas with just uh, the way the academic calendar is set at the moment and it works um, with all the courses that we have. So some of the courses we have, they actually have their placements straight up before we come into 
uh, starting to be going like science ed and all the ed- education courses and um, so it works out for the calendar that way so it's just me- meetings that we have less time at the end of the semester before Christmas so our exams are after Christmas um, is it in the d- uh, interest of students um, it can it can't be just there's pluses and negatives for each side um, some people say they enjoy having the extra time uh, after Christmas and over Christmas to study for it other people say they'd like to have them before Christmas and enjoy their Christmas but there is actually a change coming down the road oh. um, so there is an academic calendar planning group working group even um, that is together at the moment so it's a couple of academics the academic secretary and then the students union have been involved in it um, so this will it's planning on moving the calendar around so to have the exams before Christmas um, but there, that does have like knock on effects like as I said with placements and a lot of um, it means you only have one study week before your exams and it, how students feel about that and how it affects other courses like a lot of uh, courses in STEM science and en- science and engineering they would have assignments in up, up until week 13 so there okay. is no real study for them before their exams start and how th- so that would have to change around the courses modules and all that as well so there is a lot of effects from it but that won't be happening until 2020 2020-2021 that academic year so not so next year the year after the year after if and it does go ahead and um, why did you decide to do this did you have backlash from students about this or was it kind of a thought that you came up by yourself so uh, I actually asked this and it was the, the academic secretary came to us about it she was like what, how does the student union feel and it was actually last year when I was a part-time officer she came to the exec last okay. year so it's been an ongoing process but um, they, they, she basically put it as it, it comes in kind of essentially swings and ra- uh, swings and roundabouts. So some people want it before Christmas, then it goes sort of after Christmas, and it keeps going around and around and around. Okay. But it's just kind of seeing what students what want and how academics want it as well at the time. And did you talk to students uh, like before this was decided and ask them what they wanted, or? Um, at the time, uh, the, academic, the, the person heading up the academic secretary, she came to exec, and we were kind of like the core focus group. I I did as part of, uh, part of faculty rep at the time, go back and talk to a couple other class reps about it and see what they thought. Um, so yeah, but n- there was no major consultation with students, but it was kind of okay. like a brief focus group kind of more so. And what did you think yourself as a student? Yeah, as I suppose as myself as a science student, I kind of saw the consequences of it, I suppose, where like having only one study week and having assignments up until week 13, um, you'd be trying to do your assignments and studying at the same time, so it would be quite a struggle. But again, I would li- like to have exams before Christmas to be able to enjoy Christmas as well. So no yeah, pressure. I think that's kind of the big thing around this is that, you know, students feel that they don't have, have that break at mm. Christmas. It kind of, you know, essentially ruins Christmas. But I suppose, as you're saying, it is it is a longer it's a longer period to study for. Mm. It's kind of like, so so which, which is uh, more important? So you're saying it's changing in 2021? Well, yeah, it's, it's hope to change. It hasn't been confirmed yet. There is still those kind of little nuggets of things need to get work out. And will that mean now that the DCU academic calendar will start earlier in September, or do you know? That's one of the things. It, it, it does look likely if it goes ahead with the plans that cur- currently will start earlier in semester one, but I don't think semester two will change. That's it. Semester two won't change? No, I don't think it will change. You still have that break, and you still have the inter-semester break in between. Okay, well, thank you so much for joining us today, Callaghan. Um, we're going to take a quick break now, but make sure to stay tuned for all your latest news afterwards. Staff at an English language college in Dublin have held a protest outside the school yesterday evening after they were told that it's going into liquidation. Martin Brennan, who has taught at the school for nearly two years, stood by the main entrance to the school, fielding questions from confused and frustrated students. Like many of the 23 teachers at the school, he has small children at home and bills to pay. The staff at Grafton College did not receive their wages on Friday and yesterday morning they were told the school will close and they will no longer have jobs. Trade Union Unite, which represents some of the teachers at the college, 
expressed its support for the protesters yesterday evening and said that they were demanding that Education and Skills Minister Joe McHugh visit the college and speak to them. Robert Dunlop and his wife Gisela Aranda spoke to reporters after a meeting with the director of the school this yesterday morning. They got married on Saturday and Gisela is eight months pregnant. Dunlop said that he is due two months wages and he's waiting until after the, after the wedding to cash his last month's cheque so that they would be covered over Christmas time. Trade Union Unite met with staff from Grafton College in Portobello yesterday after what is described as a snap closure of the college. The Department of Education has a new bill before the Oireachtas to put in place stricter regulation of this sector, but the protections in the bill reg relate to students and not to teachers. Currently, the international language teaching market is worth an estimated 762 million euro to the Irish economy. Unite is calling for two amendments to the bill to cover employment standards and protection and protection funds for staff. The bill has currently a provision for a protection fund, but it's only applying to students. Robert Dunlop, Martin Brennan and a student attending Grafton College spoke to reporters from the Irish Times and RTE about the closure of the school. Yeah, we, and we have two paychecks due. Basically, I was saving my uh, last month's paycheck for after the wedding to, to cash it so that I wouldn't dip into it and we'll, we'll have it for, for now. And, um, and we don't. It's horrendous. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what we're going to do, but we just go to the union meeting now and see what they have to say and what hopes we have. Okay, when are you due, Gisela? It's the 27th of this month, so it's really close to today feeling this incredibly let down I mean just in, in a state of shock because we all got our pay slips on Friday and we and, and none of us have any money so we're all like you know we're all like literally checking our bank accounts so we, and when are we getting paid when we're going to get paid and it just didn't happen it took until Saturday afternoon to actually find out that we were not going to get paid and that the school basically is going to go into liquidation um, and then everything just sort of continued kicking off the situation is that uh, Friday evening started the morning, the teachers realised they had not been paid for the last month. Uh, they had no indication from school management or school owner this is going to happen. It appears that the school is being shut down. We can't confirm that yet. There's, there's 23, 24 teachers within the school. There's also, I think, four or five administration staff, so roughly about 30 staff altogether. Some of these teachers have kids, there's some single parents in there. And to have this as a boat that will be about three weeks before Christmas is... is shocking and, and pretty outrageous. Our first job and our main job here is to ensure the teachers and the staff are paid what they are owed and uh, if necessary, if, if entitled, are paid redundancy. Well personally it affects me because uh, I have a child coming in, in February, please God, and the situation at the moment as it stands is that we were let go on Friday without any pay. We thought it was business as usual but it's not at all. Um, so as it stands at the moment we have, we have no pay four weeks from Christmas, we're getting no information as to when we'll be paid and it seems that the college has closed and as you can see there are lots of students here who are now educationless, uh, have the same situation as myself, very little money coming up to Christmas and we're being told nothing. I wasn't expecting for that, nobody actually was. Uh, was a friend of mine, she sent me a message telling that all the information about the school, the teachers was really sad about it because they were really expect for that. Most of them, they are great teachers, so they really didn't deserve that, and also the students, so. And how much of a fee did you pay to attend the school? 
uh, was about a thousand uh, euro or a little, a little bit more of that. Are you confident you'll be accommodated in another school? Uh, like I told you in the beginning, I don't think so. Uh, I, I really love this school, so everybody here loves this school. So okay, it will be okay for me, but <laughs> I prefer to study here. Last Saturday, thousands of people marched in Dublin city centre to highlight Ireland's housing crisis. The demonstration started at the Garden of Remembrance on Parnell Square at 2pm and finished on Dame Street. The protest was held to mark the anniversary of Jonathan Corey's death, a 43-year-old man who was found dead in a Dublin doorway in December of 2014. People before Prophet Councillor Tina McVeigh called for a minute's silence for Corey at a rally following Saturday's protest. The Independent.ie reported on the event and spoke to councillor Tina McVeigh. This was absolutely enormous. It's even bigger than the crowds that came outside the Dáil on the 3rd of October. That was a Wednesday lunchtime. We're blown away by the people who've come from all over the country, people connected with housing groups from all over the country, people who aren't connected with housing groups that have travelled here today because they are sick and tired of the housing crisis and they want to see radical action happening now. We're absolutely delighted with the turnout, the diversity, the vibrancy and the noise that this crowd are making. You need to get angry with this, okay? Let the angry out you. Tell your belly. What do we want? 3,725 children will spend this Christmas, some of them for the second time, in emergency accommodation. Things are not okay and the government have got to stop acting as though they are. We cannot say it's okay when tenants are being extortionate rent. Well actually the turning point really came on the 3rd of October and today is actually a follow on from that because people felt they were ignored on the 3rd of October. They demanded a housing budget, they got a landlord's budget. I think what's important today, if you look back at other campaigns that we've had like marriage equality, repeal, the water charges, that when people go back into their communities empowered and determined and angry about the injustices they see, they organise in their local communities, they link in with other people who feel the same way, people who are either affected or not affected by the housing crisis, but who are angered by it, join forces with others. That is what we have learned from three momentous campaigns in our recent past, where actually it was people power and people organising in their own communities, in villages, towns and cities all over this country. That's what's going to bring about the change that we need and we know that because we've done it. President Michael D. Higgins has missed his deadline for publishing detailed accounts of his controversial €317,000 personal account. The Office of the President of Ireland receives a payment of €317,000 annually on top of the salary it has emerged. The Controller and Auditor General said the payment is an allowance that, is, that it has no oversight and he does not audit. The government has also has no role in auditing the annual payment made on top of the president's salary. A sitting president is entitled to a salary €325,000, but Mr Higgins wrote to the Department of Public Expenditure and Reform shortly after assuming the office in 2011, asking for this payment to be reduced to €250,000. Details of the additional €317,000 allowance emerged on September 26th at an Oireachtas Public Accounts Committee hearing seeking clarity on presidential spending. It has been 64 days since he promised an end-of-term statement in November detailing the expenditure from his unaudited €317,000 a year allowance worth over, worth over 2.2 million euro over a seven, uh, period of seven years. The issue of ORIS expenditure dominated the presidential debates as one of the main arguments used to deter people from voting for Michael D. Higgins in the elections held in October. In the run-up to the elections, the President launched a campaign promising that he would provide a formal statement of all his expenditure from the account, 
He pledged to deliver these de details at the end of the month of November. The President claims that a full return will be made on everything spent, with 457,000 returned to the Exchequer already. Many men continue to ignore health problems, with only some seeking help when it's already too late, the Movember Ireland campaign has warned. Movember, which runs throughout November, encourages people to grow a moustache or host an event in an attempt to raise awareness and funds for men's health. Men are dying too young, on average six years younger than women. This is simply because men don't speak about their health and don't act when there is a problem and as a result die too young. Since 2008, over 100,000 people here have gotten involved with the campaign and Movember Ireland has funded over 30 prostate cancer initiatives with the Irish Cancer Society, ranging from financial grants for patients and their family to research aimed at improving outcomes and quality of life. However, Movember Ireland works to raise awareness of a range of men's health issues, including mental health and suicide. Globally, we lose one man to suicide every minute and 8 in 10 suicides in Ireland are men. This is something we can help change by talking more openly about suicide and creating a world where men are not afraid to talk and ask for help. This year, Movember celebrated its 10th anniversary in Ireland. Movember is short for Moustache November. It has its origins from a pub conversation that took place in Melbourne, Australia in 2003 when a group of lads laminating a moustache each decided to grow one. Within two years, the idea became so popular among their friends that they decided to run it as a charity event highlighting men's health issues. Since then, Movember has become a global charity and campaign designed to highlight men's health, particularly in relation to prostate cancer, as well as testicular cancer, mental health and suicide preventions. Prostate cancer is the second most common cancer in Ireland after skin cancer, with nearly 3,500 men diagnosed each year. Although this campaign is playing a key role in promoting men's health, there is more work to be done. So I'm here with Mikey Walsh who participated in Movember Ireland. So Mikey, why did you decide to do Movember? Um, I just thought it was a good cause and it's pretty easy to actually just grow a moustache and not uh, do anything else. It's like, it's there on your face anyway. And why do you think it's important to raise awareness for men's health? Um, I think it's, r like, I think it's important because um, three out of four suicides are men every year and that really struck me. So uh, I just thought it would be important to get involved. And what was it like having a moustache for a month? Well, people were staring. People were like, oh, I got roasted in lectures. Even the lecturers were, were, were like saying stuff to me. But at the same time, it's just interesting to see how people will, will react. And would you do it again next year? Yeah, I do. Of course I do it again. It's easy. It's, it's, it, it doesn't cost you anything. You're just growing the hair that naturally grows in your face anyway. Okay. DCU students are planning to lobby the government to secure pay for student teachers who are on teaching placement and student nurses who are looking for the same and student nurses are looking for the same support. So do we think that it's unfair that teachers are getting this special treatment or do we think that DCU SU have to start somewhere and this is fair enough? It's definitely something where something has to be done and there has to be a starting point. I mean most students have to undergo some sort of internship at this point. The majority of them are unpaid and it's horrendous but it's not an option for teachers. It's not an option for nurses either no. but they are probably the two biggest groups to yeah. tackle and to tackle both of them head on from the start probably would be an awful lot to mm -hmm. ask of it. I can understand why there has been so much uproar over it. If you were sitting there as a student nurse 
you're after putting in a 13 hour shift and you're thinking why are they getting preferential treatment absolutely yeah yeah like I I 100% agree that um nurses would kind of be feeling you know left out because um DCU SU are tackling teachers getting paid at the moment but at the same time I mean they can't do everything and maybe this is just one thing that has been brought to their attention I don't think that necessarily means that other people aren't being thought about but maybe it's just the first step in you know kind of helping that but I mean at the same time like I yeah I don't agree and kind of I mean saying you don't agree with unpaid internships I mean that's what most people are saying is kind of an oxymoron because that just means it's a job because that's Mm -hmm. what an internship you know is kind of supposed to be but at the same time I mean you know it's kind of unfair to expect you know say uh, to have internships in the summer I know a lot of degrees do that and you know for a lot of people that's and for a lot of students the summer is when they work full-time and Mm -hmm. earn money to be able to afford things like you know their next year's accommodation and stuff like that so I mean you know when I think I think when an internship is a part of a college course it can't really be unpaid mm-hmm. I mean I, I, I don't know how Especially I don't know how they go it, about when that, it goes into the students own supposed like free time like in the summer you should absolutely be getting paid because most students can't survive the year in college without some of the money that they yeah. actually built up during the during the summer so it's just kind of a very classist concept of unpaid internships and the only people that it appeals to are the people who have money to you know fund them while they're doing these unpaid internships exactly so it just kind of feeds into the whole narrative of people from more disadvantaged backgrounds not being able to get further in their education and their careers purely because they can't afford to undertake unpaid internships to survive makes you question though whether they're tackling the right area to start off with. Teachers have to go on placement during the year. They have maybe a full semester worth of placement, but that's a time when a lot of students wouldn't be working anyway. Mm -hmm. They're on placement from nine until three. They have all evening to work if they so choose. Mm -hmm. They still have their weekends free. I know there is a lot of extra work behind it, but what course doesn't have extra work? If you look at courses like journalism like accounting like engineering a lot of those internships run through the summer Mm -hmm. and that is definitely a far bigger issue if it's put upon you that in order to further your career you're going to have to take on this internship but you can't work during that time because that's your full working day gone doing unpaid work then are they tackling the right scenario to start off with i think a really big thing to kind of you know point out as well is you know a lot of people you know would look at nurses and teachers and like these kind of professions and you know give out about them not being paid and I 100% agree I think nurses are doing extremely extremely tough jobs and not not getting paid for it but just in that kind of sense I think I think a lot of people think that people who do the likes of you know kind of more creative jobs like journalism like multimedia things like that you know you you should be enjoying your job you should be happy yeah. you're creative so you know you you should want to do this for free it's as if you don't do, like people doing those jobs don't deserve to be paid as much yeah. because it's something that they actually kind of you know like you chose journalism so you're like obviously enjoy it and stuff but 
I don't know, I just think that the issue needs to be tackled in a broader sense rather than just I think employers need to get a better attitude and Mm realise that, you know, people that they employ as interns aren't, you know, there to grab their coffee. They aren't there to do all these tasks for them that they don't want to do. They're not their little slaves. And especially especially when when they're not getting paid for it either. One thing that I find extremely interesting with it, though, is if you look at these creative jobs, these are most often the sectors that are struggling. So if you take journalism, people will give out that print is dying, no one wants to pay for news. Why would anyone value the profession if those in the profession don't value those that are working for them? If you run a newspaper and you don't want to pay the people writing your content, why on earth would you expect any consumer to pay for something that you're not even paying for. That's so true, yeah. The organisations need to have value on their staff because then their staff are going to be more willing to, you know, work harder and in the long run, you know, they will produce a profit from that. So it's in everyone's best interest to pay people from the ground up. I think if you can't afford to take on an intern, don't Don't take on an intern. I mean, call it an intern because maybe the you know the wage is going to be minimum wage that's fine or even less in some cases um but you know obviously you're still learning you're still in training like <coughs> we leave this course and for any student that leaves college while they have the degree they have the academia to back it up it's very often not practical experience so often in college you have students that will say oh yeah I was in that lecture there I don't know why we're studying it it has no relevance to what I'll be doing and it's such a common trend you need to have experience in the job that you're going to do to know what the job is like the college course enough is not is not enough not on its own yeah the only thing I'd argue about that is you know a lot of students you know have gained experience outside of college or even be in college so I mean we're just talking about journalism and expert journalism students but like for a journalism student you know in your final year essentially you're you you barely actually have many lectures it's all actually gaining experience getting your portfolio so that like by the time you're finished you are like do have a lot of experience and are able and I mean the fact that like we have intran the summer after we finish and some of them do pay some of them don't it just kind of depends where you go but you know you're essentially your degree is finished you yeah. know what I mean your um, degree is finished and you do know what you're doing and like in that case I definitely do think they should pay but I, I understand why for the internship it would be lower yeah yeah like, you that's still, fair you yeah. still don't have like not doing the same know, level of work as an actual employee there so. absolutely and I mean we all notice the further you go through the year the more things that you produce mm-hmm. the better you get at yeah. it and that stands to reason in the actual work sector as well but to expect someone to constantly trudge out work for you Mm -hmm. and get nothing for it other than to be able to say oh well I was there and I did this it doesn't pay the bills especially if you live in the country if you're like for us most media organizations are based in the city I live in Mayo yeah it's the expense of actually having to pay rent and you know Dublin is obviously where most people are going to be doing their internships and we're in the midst of a housing crisis where no one can find anywhere to live and people simply can't afford to pay that rent. 
So it's just not feasible for students to not be paid. And in, it becomes the case that you decide you have to move up here, you have to get this intro, which you do to pass your degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then if you're not getting paid, maybe only your expenses are covered, you're traveling and out of work, your food or something like that, then you still have your rent to pay. So you do maybe a nine to five shift. Do you then have to go and work in a restaurant or a shop for the evening? Yeah get four or five hours sleep and not actually be able to get any benefit out of your intra because you're so worn out with everything you have to do just to keep yourself there yeah i think for dcu one of the main things that they try to push is this intra thing like they're the first that's why a lot of people come here yeah exactly they're the first college to kind of pioneer this that most courses will have some sort of an internship and it's it's brilliant like it's a huge incentive for people to come here but you know when you're like filling out your CAO and you're like oh I'll get to do my intra with whoever you're like excited for that but the reality of actually not being paid for the work you're doing and and as well I don't know maybe I didn't look into it enough but I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people didn't realize that most of the internships for most courses are in the summer yeah I think if they knew that it might actually be a bit of a deterrent like I understand the way that the academic year kind of works yeah it it has to be done sometimes but if you're going to be working in the summer you should be getting paid it's it's just it's just the reality of it yeah and the thing with the summer obviously DCU went through a process of trying to condense down some of the courses which is great it takes off a year expense like our course was cut from four years to three Mm -hmm. I don't have to technically pay for my college accommodation that year you're not paying for your fees your general kind of college living expenses obviously you still have to live up here but you'll assume you'll be working during that time and not have quite the same mountain on top of you as a student but in doing that that seems to be why these interests have been pushed into the summer beforehand we would have gone abroad for a year and done done our internship abroad we would have got grants to do that internship we don't get grants to do an intro in the summer because we're not we're no longer exchange students and it definitely like i i understand that there has to be kind of give and take when you try to do something like that but you have to question was it a little bit too much yeah i think um to kind of bring it back to nurses being the or sorry teachers being the sole focus of this do you think that it's because teachers were kind of the ones throwing, like, kind of saying enough is enough? Yeah, I, I definitely do. Um, I've heard, I think out of any course that I know people who do it, I hear teachers complain about their course yeah. the most. I hear, um, you know, student teachers saying that they have lectures from, like, 9 to 5, Monday to Friday, which a lot of courses don't mm-hmm. really have that many lectures, and that when they're on teaching practice they complain about the amount of work that they have to do while on teaching practice and then obviously they're not getting paid for it um but I think (laughs) one thing that I kind of heard and I I wouldn't say anything I agree I think they do do a lot of work but um is I've heard a few people saying like why do student teachers give out so much you know about placement that's essentially the job they'll be doing you know they give it about the the amount of work it is um and I mean, I can't say how much work it is. I honestly have no idea. No mm. one realizes so, how much work someone else has yeah. until you do it, you know. Um, but I mean, working nine to nine to three, is it? 
Yeah. You'd have to think as well. I can't. Like a lot of the, they make a lot of kind of supplies for their classroom. They have learning aids and that sort of thing. But of course, in a primary school, it rarely changes. If you were all right at looking after your stuff, you'd imagine most of these learning aids will hang around for quite a few years that you'll have less to yeah. kind of do in years I to think, come. you know, every, like, you just have to think about everything in different ways. I mean, like, I've heard from student teachers, you know, complaining that they have to buy their own supplies when they go into placement. Yeah, I don't like, think that should ever be expected no. of, of anyone to no. have to do that. Because that means that, where are they going to get the funds to, you know, buy art supplies and yeah. all these kind of things that they need for their teaching especially if as a teacher the school might fund that as, yeah. a, as a paid professional mm-hmm. yeah yeah surely yeah i've no idea would it but then i suppose when you think about it like students in general we all kind of have to buy a lot of things for other things but at the same time it is kind of different because say when we're buying stuff like if we have to buy any equipment or books or whatever you know it's for us it's for us yeah you know it it feels a bit weirder when you're like Mm -hmm. buying supplies for a class of 30 students do you know what I mean and they are expensive as well yeah I would wonder though in starting with tackling teachers is it because it's all in the one area it's all education do they feel like maybe they will get further if they start by tackling their own sector and if they are successful well then they will have the argument to say right well we are now paying student teachers how can you justify paying student teachers and not paying student nurses student accountants student journalists and i I do momentum i do hope that is the reason and it would make sense you are always going to have more luck with your own you've already got a (laughs) foot in the door you have the argument well we're all doing the same job we've all been through this everyone in that sector should understand each other and the roles that everyone is doing and I do feel like they probably will have more success starting there and if that does get the ball rolling then I don't think anyone will be able to argue with the general objective of it yeah and just I'll just make one last point you know just about kind of you know internships in general now I'm not actually talking about like in like specifically internships that are a part of DC or a part mm-hmm. of colleges do you think that people worry that you know if they don't take an internship you know say it's unpaid or whatever you know or if they kind of say to someone oh like can I not get paid for this that they'll just be like well there's the door we'll find someone else I suppose you are always essentially replaceable to employers but if they view you as replaceable then they're not gonna they're not gonna pay you and that's true yeah um I just think it's it's not worth anyone's time to engage in any sort of unpaid internship because at the end of the day like what kind of worth is that you're putting on yourself I have a younger brother who always says never do a job for free that you one day expect to get paid for exactly and if you're going to do the same job continuously then why on one day do you think that's realistic though I think it can be I don't don't know I I do think it can be I mean Aoife essentially you're doing a job right now (laughs) that you're not getting paid for that you want to do one day that is technically true (laughs) I suppose um I don't know it's it's definitely an interesting concept though yeah, if you look yeah. at it it's like a difficult one. if I'm going to do the same job today as I'm going to do tomorrow why is it okay for one person to pay me for it and another person yeah. not 
Yeah, I suppose, I mean, I'm saying that to you, but the difference is, obviously, this is a volunteer, you know, it's a it volunteer is, and station, I mean, this, we, we are still doing our course. Yeah, yeah. true, true. Right, um, we're going to take a quick ad break now, and then we have one final discussion, and then we're going to discuss uh, the newest headlines that have came in over the past hour. <laughs> 